0: If you're looking for the best of European football, you've come to the right place. Welcome to On The Continent. I'm Dotson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Lars Seversen. On today's show, if sickies in the squad can't slow them down, can anything or any team stop Bayern from being crowned kings of Europe again? And why would a 17-year-old Wunderkid choose Germany over England? Also, how many chances do Real Madrid need to impress against 10 men? And it's for the hard way at the top of Ligue 1, as PSG invite Monaco to join le party. First, though, gentlemen, Lash (laughs) and Andy, I think we have to look at some of the losers this week in the Champions League. Was that a surprising defeat for Atletico against Chelsea? I, d- I don't know if it was that surprising, really, Don, because
1: um, Atletico have had something not quite right for probably about a month now, even though the results have only really gone awry in the last four or five games. And them them going back to this ultra defensive sort of formation it's, its a bit like an old comfort blanket, really a bit like an old Teddy. And um, obviously a lot of people didn't find Atletico particularly cuddly the way they, the way they played. Um, but I've I got the impression certainly from some of that outrage to their approach on, on, on social media that there's maybe not an acknowledgement that Atleti have evolved a little bit. And I think there has to be a bit of understanding for this kind of, we've got to say it, low energy approach really last because it's easier to get all behind the ball when you're knackered and you know there was a lot of criticism of Jao Felix for example not being fed but he to me looked like someone who's well had coronavirus recently
2: <laughs> well yeah he's you mentioned I think the key point here is they have had a pretty significant wobble recently you know dropping points to Celta dropping points to Levante losing to Levante and I remember I was watching the build up I don't want to dig out pundits that's not what we're here for but you did hear all the old cliches being trotted out about how well you know if Atletico score a goal then you know it's going to be very hard because it's impossible to score against Atletico you know they haven't kept a clean sheet in what seven games yeah. now yeah so they're clearly not quite right. The only thing I just felt was very, very frustrating was the energy point is, is is I understand and is well taken, but I do wonder if we were all talking earlier in the season, they were playing in a slightly more attack-minded way. Like they've not suddenly morphed into Zdenek Zeman's Foggia, but they were playing a slightly <laughs> more attacking manner. And 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 honestly, I. It's not because they necessarily, Simeone wanted to do that, just because the squad, it suits the squad a lot more. Now, I understand the notion that if everyone's a little bit leggy and results have suddenly turned a bit, the instinct will be to retreat back into the shell. But I'm not sure they really have the, the players to do that in quite the same way. They don't have quite as many players whose faces look like Goya paintings uh, <laughs> c- c- compared to what they did a few years back. They have a couple of them. But, but, but there there's some footballers in here who I think you get more out of if you allow them to play football. And, and you listen, I don't. With, with Simeone, all criticism needs to be tempered with the fact that he's done an amazing, amazing job. And you can hardly blame him for defaulting onto methods that have worked before in a time of, of concern. But I'm not convinced the sort of a testudo formation is how you actually get the most out of the squad they have this season.
0: Although it's gladback that um, perhaps uh, have some sympathy for, because when you look at their position in the German league, they shouldn't really be in the Champions League, should they? And they come against a man city, a really in-form man city, who look like they mean business. Uh, that that result wasn't so surprising, was it, Andy? That, that's true, Dotten, And of course, they've had all the Marco Rosa stuff going
1: on um, behind the scenes with him being forced to deny, um, as we said last week, that he would uh, take any of their players to, to Dortmund with him next season. So it has been a, a time that not only have they been preparing for a huge sporting challenge in facing Manchester City, but trying to find some sort of calm at the club but I wish you'd been a pundit on German telly last night actually because they had uh, the rather more combative Sandro Wagner who saw the um, (laughs) interview from Florian Neuhaus the Gladbach midfielder immediately afterwards where he said well you know they are better than us but we did need to be a bit braver and Wagner said well that's fine that he said that in the interview (laughs) why couldn't you have done it on
2: the pitch (laughs) it's not really down to the coach no
0: And let's stay with the German theme, because Bayern went to Rome to meet Lazio. And, well, this was a Bayern team that was depleted by injuries and sickness. If I was Lazio, I'd be thinking, core, I wouldn't like to meet them when they're at full strength. Because they got hammered, Lazio, didn't they, Laj?
2: D- they did, but if you were Lazio, Dawson, I don't think you would have given them goals and quite as easily as... I mean, you're a canny operator. I don't think you would have randomly given Lewandowski the ball right in front of the box after uh, after just a few minutes. I mean, it, yes, Bayern looked very good. And I have to give a shout out to our to our very dear friend, Niki Bandini, who I thought nailed it on, on Twitter while watching the game, saying, you know, every time... Lazio has the ball. It looks like the pitch is really heavy, and then Bayern has the ball, and it doesn't look like that anymore. <laughs> and, and I think that's spot on. That's such a good observation by her. And uh, I, I, you have to give huge credit, I think, to the the coaching staff at Bayern. Whatever they've been doing, conditioning wise, you know, we're talking about a, a point of the season, a very challenging season where a lot of teams are looking very leggy. Uh, Bayern looked fabulous uh, physically. They were they were flying around, and um, and, and and I think that's a uh, that's a that's a that's a big part of this win. Even though Lazio Over very very much the architects of their own downfall
1: yeah I think that's right Lars and I think we kind of have to take a second to say the last time that Lazio got through a group stage of the Champions League Sven-Jürgen Eriksson was still in charge so them (laughs) having to come up to this level uh obligatory mention for Sven Marcus Speller makes me do it I, I think you have to have a bit of understanding for that. They they did freeze a little. And um, I think you talk about the the, the error for the Lewandowski goal at the beginning. Um, Musakio just settling into this team meant to be that bit of stability and and proves to be the absolute opposite, really. Um, But for Bayern to play with this sort of energy, I thought was really interesting. I mean, we talked about the effects and the effects are different. I think on on different people and are also affected by um, mood and where the team's at and all the rest of it. But when you bear in mind that Bayern have got one point from the last two Bundesliga games, um, they've seen their lead at the top of the Bundesliga trimmed from seven points to two, and then you have Leon Goretzka, who's come back from coronavirus, comes into the team. And makes an enormous difference in terms of driving the team forward. Just propels them in a whole different way. And if Lazio made mistakes, you know, Bayern were a wolf below the dinner table. You know, they didn't need any second bidding whatsoever. Uh, Leroy Zane, who's, I think, taken a bit of criticism uh, this season. And even when he had a good second half at Eintracht Frankfurt at the weekend, um karl Heinz Rummenigge got stuck to him, stuck into him on uh, Das aktuelle Sportstudio, which is like the German equivalent of Match of the Day, for for not defending properly. So um, he he really grabbed the ball by the horns. Coman was excellent. Um, th- there was just so much to love about what Bayern did it, it, with what still a pretty patched up team, and you know they only had they only had six subs. So I think it's not just that they played well, but they played with such energy and such dominance in this situation, given what's happened recently and all the injuries and illnesses they've had.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from Bayern, but I think we are allowed to be frustrated with the manner of which Lazio gave this away. Mm. You, you just go through the goals one by one. The Musiala goal is excellent. Just a build-up for that was very good. Uh, with a little move inside from Davies and a wonderful little chip from Goretzka and a great finish. I mean, that's just a, that's just a brilliant goal. But, but the first one is nonsensical obviously and the the second two ones are counters that really should have been avoided and even for, for both the Sané goal and the Acerbi goal the Asarbi own goal you're looking like where are the rest of the Lazio players like did they are they not trying to get back into their own box when you've just conceded a <laughs> counter against Bayern like this this seems like something you should maybe do like it it, it was very very frustrating because obviously like, you're right. Bayern were very good, and and maybe Lazio doesn't have the firepower to beat Bayern Render on this sort of form anyway. But they did make it very easy for them. Having mentioned the injuries, I think Bayern are right at the limit at what they can take because. You know, they've had a real sort of bonus with Musiala coming through the season. I don't think they were planning for that. That's very excellent. to have an extra option there. And they did have to play Nicolas Sula at right back, which if Lazio were able to threaten that flank at all would have been a problem, but they weren't, so it was fine. Uh, but, but if you look at the rest of the squad, if anyone else go down with injuries now, you know, you're looking at Bunasar and Chupa Moting on Mark Rocca and these sort of these sort of dudes. So so they have injuries. They, they have just about the injuries they can sustain, but any more now and they're in real trouble. I
0: can't I can't really blame Lazio because Bayern were playing really well and it looks like Lazio were chasing the ball for most of the game. And, you know, when you chase a ball, you just get knackered. And the mistakes that you talk about, Lars, I think are brought about because of tiredness, actually. It, whereas Bayern was a team that should have looked more tired, it was the opposite just because they had such great possession of the ball. But I was so impressed... With the future in the shape of a 17 year old who really should be playing for England but has chosen Germany. <laughs> uh, While well, you laugh, you see, it's typical of a Norwegian to laugh at our woes. <laughs> Are you watching Margaret Thatcher? Your boys will take a beating. <laughs> but but no, what's going on? How can we, how can England not attract the best 17 year old? In the Champions League at the moment to come and play for his own country.
2: Well, I mean, he's 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 born born, born in born in Germany to to one German one Nigerian parent and plays in Germany. So, <laughs> I mean, I know what you're saying, Dalton, but obviously he spent his formative years in in England. But 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 I think for him, you, you can understand the logic of this decision, no?
0: I was born in Nigeria of Nigerian parents. That is not going to stop me choosing. Well, let me think about it, Andy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say you want to play for Sweden, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) You're saying no to that
1: shirt. You're not saying no to that Nigeria shirt. I know you're not. But I I think with Musiala, it's partly situation, as 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 Lars says, and it's I think being surrounded by a culture of success. At Bayern and great Germany players of um, past, present, and future, as he, he sees every day at Sabina Strasse, I, th- I think is important. But also, I think it's the personal touch by um, Jogi Love because Jogi Löw has um, been to see him a couple of times. He's been to talk to him after the games. He's talked him through exactly where he sees him fitting in the in the, in the Germany national team, and. Gareth Southgate never got out of the starting blocks. So whether that's a sense that Southgate's not familiar with him, or simply thinks he has enough cover there, or it wasn't a priority for him, um, I don't know. But Germany did all the hard yards here, and that I think is a is a big influence on on, on Mussiala taking this because we had Miguel Delaney on here before talking about the quite tricky concept of dual nationality and how it's not as cut and dried either in terms of heart or head as a lot of people think it is and I certainly think that when you're 16 17 18 you're probably not thinking about it that hard you're probably thinking about it in terms of well you know you just go with the flow you play with your mates in in a a lot of occasions and clearly he's in the German environment at the moment. Also, though, we do have to say that he's not just any seventeen-year-old, um, and not only because he's just about to turn eighteen. But Doton, D- 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 you touched on it: the, the, the fact that he's someone who already, at a club like Bayern, you know, arguably the best club team in the world at the moment, has the confidence to go in there and take the game by the scruff of the neck. You know, every single opportunity he's had this season, he's taken it, and he's he's taken it with both hands. He's been absolutely brilliant. As I was saying on the Ramble earlier this week, he's no shrinking violet. He's not happy to make like minor little cameo contributions. He wants to dominate the game. He wants to get into the box. He wants to score goals. He wants to make the passes. He wants to do all of that. So I think presenting a plan to someone like him is very enticing.
2: Yeah, I think it's um, there are a couple of interesting facets here. First of all, When it comes to guys who are forced... Really, I feel uneasy about a system that kind of forces kids in their teens to pick sort of which country they belong to. This is a really tricky thing to do. I, Mm. I, I understand that the option is having a situation where players can switch, which opens a whole nother can of worms. So I guess maybe it has to be this way. But I think it's really, really hard. I mean, you're not really fully... Uh, it's it, it's a big big decision about your identity, really. That I don't know how many people are really. Maybe I'm not saying Musiala isn't. But he seems like an extraordinary young gentleman, but there's a lot of people who I'm sure won't be well equipped to make that sort of call at that age. And I thought he his quotes were were very sensible. And I said I have a I have a heart for Germany and I have a heart for England, and both those hearts will keep on beating. You know, I think this is something that people have to try to understand. Now, one thing I'd like to just say at the end of that. I'm not suggesting at all that he's been thinking about, you know, pragmatism in the sporting sense and where he fits in. I'm, I'm sure well, his reasons are his own, but, but I think he has something that Germany could really use in the sense that there has been a concern in Germany that they're producing too many in inverted commas academy players like very tidy footballers whereas Musiala clearly has a bit of x-factor he's someone who's not afraid to try difficult things he can go past people he's got tremendous physique you can clearly see if he keeps developing and steps it up another couple of notches where he would fit into the German national team and what he would bring whereas if you're trying to get into the England squad as like an attacking midfielder there's like this sort of solid wall of really good number 10s now uh, be it the sort of Grealish or Madison or Foden or Mount uh, Del Alli if he comes back into it like there's so many guys there so even if he was being very uh, pragmatic about this which I don't know I have nothing to suggest that he is but if he was thinking that way then Germany would still make a lot of sense Sie haben so viel Standards getüftet
0: Groß! Er macht das let's move on to talk about Real Madrid, who also scored a decent goal against Atalanta, but they only scored one goal, having been thrown a, a lucky dip by the referee with a sending off in the first few minutes. This ain't, this ain't Real Madrid that we think about in the Champions League, is it, Andy? This, uh, they were not impressive. They struggled to get that goal. Had to wait until sometime in the middle of the second half to get it. And they had lots of chances. But it doesn't look as if Real Madrid are on fire at the moment. No, absolutely not, Dutton. And
1: um, that, that, that's it. It took a a great goal from Ferlar to to get... To, 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 get them that win at the end when Atalanta looked like closing out the, the 0-0 draw. And um, it felt like it was going to take a firecracker or a set piece for Real Madrid to score, really, in this game, despite playing against 10 for, what, 72 minutes plus stoppages, I think, in the end, after the um, Remo Freule sending off. Uh, Mendy's an interesting one, though. Uh, he is a player, when that you consider that Zinedine Zidane will come to global situation of Real Madrid in a a, a bit. But when you consider that Zidane has really struggled to integrate signings and integrate young players and, you know, you you look at the question marks over Hazard, Eder Militao, Audrey Zola, all all this money that Real Madrid could scarcely afford to waste at a time like this when they're rebuilding the stadium... Uh, at the cost of half a billion euros. Um, and th- that has been the biggest failure of of his second spell in charge so far. But Mendy's just been different. Um, they needed him at this time because Marcelo physically isn't there anymore. I think the fact that Sergio Ramos is um, still yeah. doing his stuff for Real Madrid normally, of course, he was out injured um, at Atalanta this week and will be for a week or so more. I think that the fact that Mendy is able to cover him is making a massive difference to him. It's making a massive difference to the way that Sergio Ramos is 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 able to continue producing. The interesting thing as well is that Mendy has intervened more and more on the attacking end as 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 well. Um, and this one, you don't expect your left footed left back to come inside and smash one in from 20 yards with his <laughs> his right foot. But apparently the reason he's got such a good right foot was when he was still in the uh, Paris Saint-Germain Academy and he had a tricky old time there because he had a hip injury at once that was so bad he had to be pushed around in a wheelchair for eight or nine months is that it is a different injury that made his his right foot so good because he had this ankle injury that simply wouldn't go away and it hurt him to strike the ball with his left foot even though he was left-footed so he started choosing his right more and more and more and hence you get this this brilliant goal away to Atalanta.
2: Yeah, I, I think, uh, the, God bless you, Andy. Like we don't, we we do want to sit here and talk about the football, and we don't want to sit here and talk about refereeing decisions. But I do find <laughs> it incredibly hard to get past the refereeing aspect of this game. The sending off is is I think is close enough to being correct that you understand why it doesn't get overturned.
1: Yeah, it's not heinous, is it? It's debatable. But it's not heinous. I
2: also, I hate to be that guy, but if it's the other way, if it's for the other team, and it's at the at the well, not at the Bernabeu, but at the at the training ground stadium, <laughs> it doesn't get given. Like we we know for a fact that if that Sir Ramos sort of barging over Muriel, he doesn't get sent off. Like I'm sorry, but he doesn't. And and we have the same thing down the other end. The <laughs> the the Casemiro uh, non sending off, which he should have gotten a second yellow for a dive. He should. It's it's one of those things you know that's not gonna get given against Real Madrid. <laughs> and it's just it is very frustrating. And it's not just Real Madrid, it's it's the whole power balance of certain clubs are so big that whether consciously probably more subconsciously the referees are hesitant To make those kind of big calls against them because they know what will follow in terms of hassle from the media and being thrown out to to the wolves by the managers. And they know that that kind of controversy means they're less likely to get prestigious games down the line so that they, they have an incentive to avoid that sort of fallout. And, and it is incredibly frustrating when you have a team like Atalanta who have done, I think, what every sort of small, with apologies, was a provincial club in the world dream of, which is they still have a small budget. Like, this, this is still bottom half of the Serie A in terms of money. But they managed to put together a team that plays incredible football, that sort of everyone enjoys, and they made it to the Champions League, and they made it to the knockout stage second year in a row, and they're facing a depleted Real Madrid. They had this unique opportunity to take a historic win against Real Madrid, and, and you give that decision early on in the game. It's complete nonsense. I do,
0: I do get what Lars is saying, though, Andy. Um, but leaving that aside... The thing that's how Dutton, how can you well, <laughs> leave it aside? No, it very, very easily because sometimes you get a bag full of lucky dips and you get all the best stuff. But, um, the thing that struck me was how Zinedine Zidane was celebrating this one goal, and I'm thinking to myself, come on now. You've been playing against ten men for most of this match. You can't you can't make out like this was the battle of Atalanta and we've just won it. What, what what's
1: going on? No, that's true. And I, I think the the fact that it's where Real Madrid are at the moment, Dotten, and it's the way they were always going to end up under Zinedine Zidane. You know, they don't play exceptional football. And um, I think if you look at if if you go back to last weekend in La Liga, I, I've said elsewhere that they played worse in winning at Valladolid than Atletico did in losing at home to Levante. Um Real Madrid are not exactly the dream factory at the moment. Um if if there was gonna be a goal, as I said, it was always going to be a, a a set piece or or, or something exceptional. Um, on the other hand, I do think we have to say where Real Madrid are going globally under Zidane is is one question. Um and whether they're whether they're good enough to win the league if Atletico can go anywhere near holding their nerve, I think is a reasonable question. And it's going to be fascinating because not this weekend, but next weekend, Atletico will be playing Real Madrid in in, in the derby. Now, Atletico completely lost the thread in the first game and Real Madrid ground it out and they're so good at grinding those games out. And, you know, who knows, maybe that will give them the edge in, in, in the in the title race. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if Real Madrid were... Able to go on and, and and win the title without playing particularly exceptional football, um, but where where we have to compliment Zidane is a that bloody mindedness that that, that his team have, and two the fact that they've, they've got so many players out. I mean they have so they had so many players out at Atalanta. He was forced to start Isco, <laughs> which
2: you know bear,
1: bear 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 in mind they had to get down to. 11 available outfield first-teamers to actually put Isco in the team. But even then, as you say, Dotton, he's, he's so naturally conservative. They're playing against 10 men. They've got a lot of good players on the pitch. And then they're going for it, in inverted commas. They take off Vinicius Junior and replace him with Mariano. Why don't you stick an extra attacking player on the pitch? It's because Zidane would never think to do that.
2: I I did think that was funny in the run-up. You saw I saw a couple of sort of projected Madrid 11s in which they still had Isco on the bench. They had Mariano starting <laughs> instead, and you had the report saying, "Oh, there's only 11 fit first teamers." Like, That's a dig. <laughs> That's a bit of a dig, at Isco. <laughs> no, listen. I need, I need to. I need to censor myself. Listen, we shouldn't be talking about the referees. It's just the, the frustration got the better of me there uh, for a minute. And you have to say, of course. Of course, Zidane was was pumping the air. I mean, he knows this is not a he he knows this is not a great Real Madrid team. He will know that better than anyone. I and mean, he knows they're depleted and and down to the bare bones, as someone from this country would say. And and they've gone away. to Atalanta. still a difficult thing to do. And even with the ten men, yeah, it's it's a it's a huge win for him. It is long term. The frustration remains, I think, with Real Madrid that they're not able to expedite this sort of. Uh, generational change that needs to happen to this team, that the younger players are not uh, given the keys to the kingdom and that they're still looking at sort of cross Modric, Casemiro, these dudes to, to, to drag them along. But it's working for now. And I guess in this season of all seasons, there's so much else going on that you're just going to have to get through and get the best results you can.
0: Um, first of all, I, I, I have a feeling that Andy has let his game of the week out of the bag. We'll see if it's... Game of uh, next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking, E viva España-wise. But um, before we come to game of the week very shortly, we've still got a few more things to discuss. But what about in the return leg, Andy? Can Atalanta do one over on this Real Madrid when they have a full 11 men on the pitch? Well, it's, it's funny because despite last
1: eloquently pointing out that we kind of got robbed of what should have been a very exciting opportunity. Uh, yeah, exactly. A very exciting opportunity for, for, for Atalanta. Um, and the, the nil-nil result, bizarrely for a, a team like that, would have been absolutely perfect, uh, I think, for them to go away and know that um, they just needed one goal in the Bernabeu, which I feel pretty convinced that they're able to get, would put Real Madrid in a, a whole world of pain. But I think to think that Real Madrid have, have got it all sealed up already is 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 incorrect. And I think if you look at some of um, Real Madrid's results in home legs of knockout ties over the last couple of years, I think, you know, you look at them against Juventus, you look at them against Ajax, I don't think it's a fair accompli by any stretch of the imagination. And Atalanta do have those different attacking options, which because of... Not just the sending off, but the injury to Duvan Zapata as well, they were, they were unable to use. So, you know, you, you got the point where Josep Ilicic came on, for example, and he was just unable to get a foothold in the game because by that point, it was all one way and Madrid sort of chipping away diligently, trying to, trying to get a chance and, and them sort of monopolising the ball. So, 11 versus 11 in the Bernabeu, I'm keen to see it.
0: Not a fait complet. I think we will move on. Y sé tocando Dani la pierna que se le Del Real Madrid a cinco del final aparece Jesse para el 4-0. Talking of fate, come It doesn't look as if anybody wants to accomplish any fate in the. (laughs) (laughs) I totally. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. I failed. I failed (laughs) my French Joe level. It was extraordinary. But at the top of League A, nobody wants to. Flipping, <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, use take the ball by the horns and run with it. And thanks to PSG, they've just invited Monaco to the party by losing 2-0. I know that's your specialist subject, Andy, but let's go to Lars first for this. PSG doing really well in the Champions League, but seem to be having howlers time and, time and again in their domestic league. How come?
2: Yeah, I watched this game against uh, Monaco, which wasn't uh, as fun as you'd think in Monaco upset at the Park de plan should be. No, not a ton of chances, but I think I, I, I kind of feel this, <laughs> I was about to say, I kind of feel from Rizio Pochettino, I mean, that might be my default position over the last couple of years. <laughs> Uh but but in this game when you've got when Verratti can't start or has to be rested when Di Maria's not around when Neymar's not there, you end up starting midfield of Gay Leandro Perez, Nanda Herrera. It's not a ton of creativity in there. As much as PSG have an embarrassment of riches, they kinda don't when we take a <laughs> take a couple of players out of it. And um now that is a diss uh, aimed in the direction of Julian Draxler and Rafinha who who came in and were not able to provide the kind of creativity that you want but they looked so one-paced in midfield uh, PSG and they really struggled to, to move the ball forward with any great conviction and you can have uh, you know the, the the new best player in the world Kylian Mbappe as we're sort of rapidly moving towards but you got to feed him you know you got to feed the got to feed the goat as they say and um, and they weren't able to do that with any sort of conviction or consistency, I thought and I, I want to turn this around you can say that for Pochettino coming in at PSG and then not winning the title in France is is a minor catastrophe but I would flip that on its head and say that actually there's no way PSG could like sack him now like even by their standards this would be completely nonsensical so the fact that the team's shortcomings are being brought to bear so clearly could actually be helpful for him down the line because it gives him the sort of he uh, gives him the chance to go to the board and say I know you want to sign Messi and you want to spend money on all these big names and whatever but I need this and this and this cuz look my squad doesn't work and and maybe having a few trying to put a positive spin on it for him and for PSG, maybe having a few duff results like this uh, going forward will will we'll, we'll highlight some of the failings in the squad that need to be addressed.
0: But wasn't this the same PSG that made mincemeat out of Barcelona just the other week, Andy? Uh, Mbappe was nowhere to be seen. It's as if Barcelona aren't that good, Dotton. <laughs> I, I,
2: I, I,
1: I think it's, it's, it's interesting because if if you look at their difficulties not just in this game but generally against the rest of the top four over this season they've taken one point from direct confrontations with the other teams in the top four add on to that home defeat against Marseille who definitely thought they were going to be in the top four at the start of the season and it's just a litany of uh, Paris not being able to show up on the big occasion and and beating up on the weaker teams. Um, I think Mbappe, we can kind of give him a pass for this because he contributed so much in that Barcelona game and I, I thought it was interesting what Lars was saying about Monaco's approach to this. They went to, early on, overrun Paris physically because they thought well, they're going to be knackered from giving so much in Barcelona in the week. And I think that was pretty sound, that idea of catching them on their heels early on. And teams don't really go to the Parc de Princes and, and try and do that. And if you look at the way that, say, Marseille won there earlier in the season, it was completely opposite in, in, in terms of approach. It was defend, 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 sucker punch. So I think that bit of bravery is going to be really important in the rest of this title race. Monaco are very, very well set up to do that because... Um, I think defensively, I still have my questions about them, even though they kept a clean sheet in this game. And uh, they're much better on the on, on the front foot. But if, if teams can be brave enough to have a go at, uh, at Paris, especially their direct rivals, and that's something that's quite interesting, I think. And especially in the case of Lyon and Monaco, who don't have European football to play, um, Paris Saint-Germain are going to be more and more implicated in the Champions League. It makes me think that maybe this title race can at least keep going for a, a little bit longer. And Lille, who won four-one at Lorient at the weekend, have played really well. They've got a lot of forward options. They look the best of the lot at the moment. And interestingly, or well, it might be again a fair complete by the time you listen to this, but they're playing the second leg of their um, Europa League tie against Ajax tonight. They lost the first leg. I don't really fancy them getting through the second leg. I think really from their perspective, if they go out of Europe, it's not the worst thing in the world at this stage. And then you have three teams who are really only going to be playing one game a week for most of the rest of this season, Coupe de France notwithstanding. And that does make it a bit more tricky for for PSG. But like Lars, I don't think Pochettino's future really rests on this. Because you think the last time they changed coach Mid-season, it was when Antoine Gombouare went out and Carlo Ancelotti came in. Ancelotti inherited a team that was first and guided them to second behind uh, Olivier Giroux <laughs> Montpellier. So, uh, and, and he's considered the the, the best PSG coach of, of of modern times. So, you know, maybe if anything, losing the league is a is a good thing for Pochettino.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he has. One of the things he's done so far that hasn't fully worked out is it looks to me like Pochettino's really trying to make Mario Icardi happen uh, and, and and give him a lot of time at centre-forward. And Icardi can be so frustrating because he can be just one of the most impressive finishers. But, you know, when he's not quite on it, he's kind of like the David Blaine of football. Like, he spends a lot of time <laughs> in a box not doing anything. Which just isn't it isn't very good when, you, when you're when you in particular having trouble creating stuff. So I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's frustrating, And I think as much as there's talk, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about we've got to bring Neymar in and can we have Neymar and Mbappe? No, sorry, we've got to bring Messi in. Can we have Messi, Neymar and Mbappe? Can we, I, I still think there's more to do with the squad in beefing up the midfield and, and, and allowing Pochettino to have the type of players that he wants for the type of football he's been brought in to provide. Do we have to
0: explain that uh, David Blaine in the Box reference nope. to people who don't know where the River Thames is and haven't heard River Deep they, they, they Mountain They have high. the
2: internet. It's fine. They'll figure it out. <laughs>
0: Andy? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I, I love that analogy. Um, I'm definitely having that. And I, I think, unfortunately, he's destined to be part of this galaxy of, of, of stars for so much longer. I mean, it's it's interesting. Leonardo's um, done, done an interview today where he's talked about them, in his opinion, being quite close on the extension of Kylian Mbappe, which is clearly a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. Close on Neymar as well. And that their main aims are to re-sign the the the, the Fantastic Four. Well, as, as he says it, and I think if you're Juan Bernat, you're pretty pleased that you've got <laughs> squeezed in that Fantastic Four of Mbappe, Neymar, Di Maria and Bernat and that gives them very little space with which to work so i think with pochettino i mean people always say that if if you're in charge of a club with more money than god where's the challenge could you do it at a lesser club i think it's a whole different sort of problems this is very much notorious big puffy
0: end of the park isn't it Your games of the week, gentlemen. And okay, Andy, you're not going for the Madrid derby a few days later than perhaps uh, we would like. But what would your game of the week be for us to uh, salivate over?
1: There, there, there are some crackers this weekend, um, but the one I'm going to have to go for, you're going to have to wait till Sunday night, um, Marseille versus uh, Lyon,
0: which... Ooh.
1: I, I I think we're a bit early yet to be talking about the Olympique de Marseille revival but of course they've got um, a coach coming from our friend Tim Vickery's land in uh, Jorge San Paoli. Um that's going to be made official um, in, in the in the next few hours as we record uh, I understand um, it won't be on the bench it looks like in time for the for, for the game on Sunday night not at least because of coronavirus regulations. I can't wait to see how it's going to work. He's so explosive, and they're such an explosive club. It's, it's going to be fascinating. Um, but at least since Andre village boas has left... Dimitri Payet started to play a bit more like himself as as, as well. So it's a huge challenge for Lyon to go there and get the result they need to to stay in the title race. And there's always so much chip between these these two teams as well. So even if a lot of Marseille's ambitions have, have gone for a walk this season, they will absolutely love to to have a go at beating Lyon.
0: And last, where are you going to go for your game of the week?
2: Now, now, listen, if you're looking for fun and goals... You know, I, I would tend to look towards Ivy Leipzig versus Gladbach. You know, two teams who like to push right up, like to attack. None of them have a big plan B in terms of like sitting back and stifling. That should be exciting, high energy. But you know, it's not all about the goals and the great football, you know? Sometimes you Isn't need a it? bit of tension. Sometimes you need a bit of tension. <laughs> sometimes you need a bit of tension. And I, and I think on Sunday... It might clash with Andy's game. I might have to two-screen this. But I think it might be a dreadful game, but Villarreal versus Atletico Madrid is wonderfully tense just because mm. just because Atleti have had their wobble near the top of the table. Uh, Villarreal had been going very well under Unai Emery in the autumn, but they themselves have been on this sort of really weird run now where they've drawn, I think it is five games. They've had five games and one defeat in their last six 5 draws and 1 defeat in the last 6 so odd stuff from Villarreal but clearly a competent outfit and the type of sort of fairly solid defensive outfit that'll often give uh, give Atletico Madrid a bit of trouble because Atleti won't really be allowed to, to play their sort of counterattacking uh, thing. It, this could potentially be dreadful in terms of entertainment but it is a really exciting game because this, this sort of nascent title race, it did look Atleti, like Atleti were running away with it in Spain but they're not anymore. Uh, Madrid are hot on their heels Barcelona for all their troubles keep winning games in the league so the the Atleti lead is, is slipping away and they have some injuries now and they're not looking very good and then they're playing it's like this sort of cagey tricky Villarreal team against Unai Emery there I think that could be an interesting one Sunday night but you might have to might want to two screen this uh, if they clash time I think yeah the time the timings uh, should uh, should be yeah the clash uh, the timings are clashing exactly Dalton you might want to two screen this and have Marseille Leon on your main screen just keep a little <laughs> eye on what's going on uh, with the yellow submarine versus Diego Simeone uh, squeaky on bum one. game yeah exactly right